Welcome to the Amplify You podcast with your host, me, moi, Danielle, where I interview entrepreneurs from all different types of businesses and share their story and amplify them. I am so excited to share each and every one of them with you. And maybe you're going through an entrepreneurial journey and you might see yourself within them and that might help help elevate you. So I'm stoked. I hope you are. So stay tuned. This is going to be an incredible ride. Welcome, welcome back. I am so excited that you guys are here. And today I have an incredible woman with me. We met at um, my job that I do. I work in and if you guys have been following the pod, you know that I work in the fashion industry as well. And she came to uh we did an event for her book signing, Serena. Um I have here and I can't wait for you guys to meet her because she's just truly incredible and what she has going on is something that you all need to dive into and connect with. So Serena, I'm gonna pass you the mic and kind of just do a little background and a little intro for those that don't know you. Well, thank you for that fabulous intro. Um, I always panic when I am like, how am I going to consolidate this very quickly? But the very short story is I went to culinary school after college. I went to Cordon Bleu in Paris. And I started a blog while I was over there in the early days of blogging called domesticatemoi.blogspot.com. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I am still at domesticateme.com. Um, but it was really just to keep in touch with friends and family. And it was had a pink background and was just atrocious, had terrible recipes on it and all the things that you would expect from a new blogger. But I realized through doing that as a creative outlet that I really loved the recipe development and storytelling aspect of food. So when I left culinary school, I knew that I didn't want to be in the restaurant industry. That wasn't the area of food that I was particularly drawn to. Uh, I have endless respect for restaurant chefs um, and people who work in the restaurant industry in general. It is such a difficult profession. And so that was sort of, I think, what 95% of my classmates (laughs) went into. And when I came home, I was still using the blog as a creative outlet, but I was sort of doing some private chefing, going to people's apartments and teaching them how to cook a piece of salmon and some quinoa. (laughs) Uh, And I started to really try to grow the blog as blogging was becoming a real thing. I never Mm -hmm. anticipated it becoming my full-time job and it never has been my full-time job, but I really did want to build my own platform because I feel like my career started really at a time when blogging and then early social media at that time, it was sort of Twitter and YouTube was coming up. And that idea of you know, if you build it, they will come. Anybody could build their own platform. And I feel that it is important to mention that I always wanted to do TV, not food TV, but I wanted to be my dream job when I was younger after wanting to be a pop star was to be an entertainment <laughs> reporter. <laughs> uh, and I also re- shamelessly love pop culture. But when I started in food, I was also simultaneously trying to do on-camera work in food, which just to put things in perspective, I was very unsuccessful at that all the time. I Any meetings that I took, 
people sort of said, cool, you have been cooking for like a year. Please come back in a decade when you have any actual experience. (laughs) Um, So I started making these silly little videos on YouTube and uh, Instagram had just started and I was, I was building my blog and I started a column called The Dude Diet, which was based on my then boyfriend, now husband, Logan, who loves food mm-hmm. more than any human on the planet. Truly <laughs> lives and dies by, well, I used to be afraid that he was going to die by the meat sweats, but I started this column called The Dude Diet that was basically chronicling my efforts to feed him healthier meals that he was excited about. So I knew he was never, I personally get wildly excited about a delicious massaged kale salad with quinoa. That's really never going to be his personal favorite, unfortunately. (laughs) So I started making things like cheesesteaks and lasagna and meatballs and chicken fingers and just working in more whole grains, more vegetables, leaner meats, a little bit less cheese, all of these, because he mostly meat, cheese, and bread. Uh, (laughs) Exactly. And I started posting these recipes and stories on the blog and it really resonated with people. And at that time, I had a very small audience, but I remember getting you know five or six emails at the Mm -hmm. time, like Mm -hmm. through the blog platform. And I thought, I've made it. (laughs) This is it. (laughs) Um, And so it became this regular column on my blog. And people really enjoyed it because I think that most of us want to eat more healthily, but in a way that doesn't feel restrictive, in a way that makes us feel happy, and in a way that feels sustainable because I fully support everybody's different lifestyle choices. Everybody's bodies respond differently to different types of food and lifestyles. But I just, I personally can't imagine being 85 and being like, oh no, I'm keto. If somebody passes me you know, a bread basket, <laughs> it just right. doesn't feel like something that I could keep up for decades and decades. And this way of eating, which is really focusing on what can you add? What nutritious things can you add to your meals? So another serving of vegetables, maybe a whole grain, um, those types of things really do have an impact on how you feel every day. And then there's this great snowball effect because once you start eating more healthily, you want to continue eating more healthily. And that column helped me get a job private chefing for a couple guys on the New York Giants for a couple years. And I got my first book deal in 2015 for The Dude Diet. So that came out in 20, end of 2016. And then the sequel, The Dude Diet Dinner Time, came out the fall of 2019, which is when yeah. I did. Mm-hmm my event with you. Um, and then in the interim, what's been amazing is there's been, you know, the rise of Instagram. So I've been able to grow a really amazing community there. Uh, I am somebody who has grown very slowly. And while that may be discouraging to some what I really love about it is I feel like my people are my people. So I have a very loyal, engaged community of people that makes me feel like using social media has a purpose. Mm-hmm. And I've already, I, I really appreciate the social aspect of social media. I feel like there are a lot of downsides and it can be really draining. But what I love about it is, I have the power to 
use it in a way that feels good to me. And honestly, I'm like on my January soapbox, I'm like, we all do because every January I go through and I do a big purge of everybody I'm following. And I'm very conscious as I get older of making sure that it stays a positive place for me so that I can continue mm. to show up in a way that I feel proud of. But having been able to grow um, a, an internet you know, presence has also been great because it's allowed me to expand outside of just food because for a long time, I wasn't using my social media. I was using it to market my business, my books, my blogs, um, private chefing, et cetera. But I was not really... I, had, I didn't monetize it in the beginning. So I didn't feel any pressure mm-hmm. to stay right. other than pressure, internal pressure you know, to stay in my niche, so to speak, for a long time. I only posted food because I was like, nobody wants to hear about anything else from me. But slowly after Instagram stories came about, which really allowed me to connect with people, I started realizing I was posting recipes with people were like, but where's your sweater from? Or, you know, what yeah. color is that lipstick? Or can we actually talk about your skincare routine? Or, you know, how did you put together XYZ outfit? And for me, skincare, fashion, mental health, these are all things that I'm really passionate about in my private life, like in my, yep. you know, time offline. Those are the things that I love. And so I started bringing those online. And I think that that's, when things really turned a corner for me professionally, honestly, because I think that people got to see and get to know me. And I think that's what we're all kind of seeking, especially online is connection and people that we feel like are kindred spirits for lack of a better term. And I started sharing a lot more of that stuff around 2015, 2016, when I was launching my first book. Um, and that's become a larger part of my business. Last year, I launched a fashion collaboration with some friends at a small women-owned brand called CCH Collection. We have a line Mm -hmm. of silk shirts and dresses. Um, The pandemic led to me teaching virtual cooking classes. So I now have a virtual cooking class subscription. Serena's Cooking Club, we have a public cooking class every week, and we cook a whole meal from start to finish. And it's been kind of life-changing for me because I used to hate teaching and now I love it. And I feel like (laughs) it's something that I never would have discovered without the pandemic. Uh, And I also host a podcast. It's a mental health podcast called Spiraling. So I, I feel like now I wake up every day after many years of not really enjoying my job, but being aware that I was building something. Uh, the past couple years really is when I've started to be really excited about my day to day versus always looking towards the future, which has been a lovely shift that I try to remind myself of daily. It's like, I think this day and age, at least what I see on social media is a lot of people pushing for everybody to turn their passions into their careers. Mm -hmm. And that. I think it's wonderful, but I do think that when you make your passion your job, you become a little bit less passionate about it. I couldn't agree with you more. And I feel like, I mean, I feel like you said so much in regards to how you got to where you were, right? And I wanted to pinpoint on the fact that, you know, when you said with, with social media, 
you grew slowly, which is really good to hear because there's so many people out there that are like, I want to get the followers. I want to get the followers. Why am I not growing? Why am I not built? Are you got to ask your, your these questions? Like, are you building community? Are you taking the time to nourish your community? And I think you are doing that so well from the get go. So I guess my next question for you would be is, you know, how did you find that niche for you? How'd you find that community? I think it's a been a lot of word of mouth, which Mm -hmm. I'm so grateful for when it comes to not just my social media, but my cookbooks, my classes, when I've met people at events and asked them how they heard of me, it's always that their cousin gave them my cookbook uh, for their wedding. And then they told their best friend about it. And now they come to cooking classes every week. And it, it really is this grassroots PR effort. And it makes all the difference because when I really think about it, the people that I trust the most for recommendations are my friends. And it sounds very trite, but... I really do think that treating, especially a social media community that you may never meet in real life, treating them like they are friends and showing up for them in that way by answering DMs, by listening when people say, I would love to see more of X, Y, and Z, or it's really confusing when you post in this way because I don't have a way to save it or whatever, just listening Mm -hmm. and actually treating them like you would somebody that you know in real life. Sometimes the courtesy is not returned, but we do our best. (laughs) You mentioned that because it's true. It's true. It's true. It's like, would you ever run up to somebody that you don't know on the street and be like, link your sweater. (laughs) (laughs) But I do think that what is interesting is I find in this world where people are very wary of influencer marketing, it's still a weird term because Mm -hmm. I have... I have endless respect for people who are influencers as their full-time job. Because in order to do that, you have to have built something huge. And you have to be able to make enough money to support yourself solely on that platform. And that in and of itself is very impressive. So mm-hmm. when I say this, it's not meant to be shade to people who are full-time influencers. But I find that people roll their eyes when people say things like my community. Right? Mm-hmm. Now... When I say that, and I've said this before to people, I'm like, if you're rolling your eyes when I refer to this community, then it's not your community and that's fine. Mm -hmm. It's the people who genuinely do feel that way because there are people that feel that way who I communicate with on a a regular basis, who tell their friends and family about Mm -hmm. my recipes or wear my shirts to their family's Christmas and then get all of their siblings, you know, on board or whatever. People who sit and watch my monthly Q&A for hours every month, you know, like that, those are people who are members of my community. Now, my community is going to have very different fundamental personality traits mm-hmm. and demographics than somebody else's. And I do think that persistence and pain like it, it's patience and perseverance because even in the blogging world, how many people do you know who at one point had a blog? Right. Like yeah. so mm-hmm. many people. Yeah. And then 
they put up a few posts and say, wow, that's a lot of work and nobody's reading it. It is so funny to me because I look back and what's so easy is once you cross certain thresholds, you're always looking towards the next goal. So, you know, you get 50,000 followers on Instagram and you're like, I got to get 100,000 followers now. But I remember when I hit a thousand followers and I was so excited, but you forget about it so easily. That high only lasts for a very small amount of time. Mm -hmm. But I think what can sometimes get lost in the growth process, especially if you explode overnight, which does not happen to anybody who's listening, who's trying to grow a platform, not to become an influencer, but like to market a business, to build, you know, a website, to have classes, whatever it is, there has to be a time when nobody's there. Like that's just the nature of starting something. And a few people do blow up overnight, but for most of us, it's a very slow burn. And it's really those of us who can stay the course. Now, there is a huge amount of privilege involved in that in the Mm -hmm. sense that I knew that should, you know, embarking on this entrepreneurial career path fail, I would not, you know, I would be able to fall back on a safety net of I have a husband, I have a family who would be there to support me if necessary. Mm -hmm. With that said, I also did not make the sort of entrepreneurial side of things my full-time job, the the blogging, stuff like that in the beginning. And pretty much everybody I know who has a blog or was growing an Insta like, you know, a social media presence or was building their own classes, whatever it was, also had other side hustles like me, like teaching private chefing, all of those other things. Because you don't, it's like, don't quit your day job, right? Because you need, Mm -hmm. it takes so long. And now I'm, it is terrifying to say this out loud, but this is my 11th year of being, of doing this since like Mm -hmm. I started, I started my blog in February of 2011. So we're in 2012, almost 12 years ago. Mm-hmm. And I was not able, I mean, still to this day, it's like now I'm really happy to have diversified and built several different income streams because every year the focus changes a bit. So like in a book writing year, I'm focused on more on the book and everything else kind of takes a back seat. During the past two years, like especially peak pandemic, I was teaching every weekend and like four or five nights a week doing corporate retreats and birthday parties and bachelorettes and Mm -hmm. building that side of things because I didn't have a book in the works. And last year, when I launched this fashion collaboration, that took up a lot of time um that you know the in previous years had been spent on recipe development and i think that that's something that i've learned too is when you pivot you're always going to lose people correct because there are always going to be people who want you to stay the same and that's okay i think 
what has been the hardest thing for me to make peace with as a people pleaser and a super anxious person is it is literally impossible to please everyone. But also it's not personal if somebody decides that your business, your content is no longer a fit for them. When I unfollow somebody on Instagram, I'm not like, wow, I hate this person. Unfollow. I'm just like, oh, like maybe... I don't know. The perfect example is like maybe somebody had a baby and shifted their content to motherhood content and I don't have a child. So this is not particularly helpful to me Mm -hmm. right now or particularly entertaining to me right now. Maybe I'll come back in the future. Maybe I won't. But I wish that person no ill will. It's just no longer the right fit for me. Mm -hmm. And so I think what people sometimes fail to realize, especially starting out, is like if you look at the back end analytics of my Instagram, my blog, my class platform, every week there are so many new people showing up. And there are a lot of people who are also leaving. <laughs> you know, they're mm-hmm. unfollowing, they're canceling their cooking class subscription, they're, you know, no longer visiting the blog, whatever that is. And so it, ebbs and flows and you're always going to find people who resonate with you at that moment as long as you're continuing. I I feel like the word authentic is bandied about too much, but I feel like the more that I just am, it is, it's like kind of lost. It's but still, (laughs) but still, but still it's, but it's, but it still makes sense though. Yeah. Like leaning into who you are. I think it's a, you know, it's little things too. My husband sometimes makes cameos and does some smoking on his big green egg, which he's obsessed with. And he's absurd. He swears a lot. (laughs) He doesn't follow recipes. And every time I post him, a million people come out of the woodwork and are like, these are my favorite. I love this so much. It really brings me joy. And so many people unfollow. They're like the profanity, the this, and it's like that's fine. But that's fine. Like I'm like, oh, if you are offended by that, you're not gonna like what we have going on here, and that's okay. (laughs) (laughs) And at the end of the day, you know, it's a there is another community that is a better fit for the people who just want straight up recipe tutorials. If you want only fashion, there are tons of incredibly talented stylists and, you know, fashion influencers to follow. For me, it's like you're coming and you're getting a mix of a lot of things, which also when something doesn't resonate, I just use my little tap, tap, tap and keep clicking through until I find something that does. Um, it's, It's really people, I think, who feel a connection to me and just want to hang out. And that's always my goal is to provide either something educational or something entertaining or just like share something. I think that's been a big thing for me. I started talking about my anxiety online in 2015, I think. I wrote a blog post and then I started talking about it on Instagram and then I started my podcast in 2017 or 2018. And it's been amazing because it's... It's really been great to connect with other people who deal with anxiety or depression or other mental health issues and are like, wow, like I love that you talk about this in a way that 
feels optimistic. And there, are, it's not. I'm not a therapist. I am not an expert of any kind. I'm just sharing my own experiences, and I think that is something too that has really helped me build a strong community. Now, obviously, not everybody, that, you know, cooks with me or you know buys my shirts or follows me on Instagram is anxious, but I think it's one of those things too that applies to all things. It's like if you're gonna share something about your life openly and be like, look, this is something that I'm dealing with. And if you're dealing with it, that is okay. If you want to chat about it, I'm open to it. And I think that there's a certain humanity that comes with having discussions and not just... I, and I, I think people forget that sometimes. Like yeah. that there's a real human on the other side of the screen. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it can be a good reminder. (laughs) No. And I think that from everything that you just shared, I think that in all honesty, the community that you built and that has sticked with you thus far is because you're being transparent because you're being your true authentic self. And if they don't like it, they'll leave and let it be, let, let, let go and let live. Right. (laughs) (laughs) That's saying, that's saying, but it, but it is true. And but and I commend you for for sticking with who you are because not many people do. Met, a lot of people just you know go with the the status quo and and want to be like what they're trying to portray, and that's not real. So I want to honor you in that. But, <laughs> but my next question for you is about your babies, your books, right? Yes. So first off, there's so many cookbooks out there, right? Yes. How did, <laughs> like, how did you differ, differentiate yours from everybody else's? So I remember back in 20, okay, so 2013, I guess, I wanted to write a cookbook. I had only been out of culinary school for about a year and a half. My blog was still slogging along. It had not really taken off in any real sense at that point. And I wrote a book proposal for a book called Food That Doesn't Suck. (laughs) It it like kind of did suck, honestly. But it was really targeted toward millennials who at that time were in their early 20s. Mm -hmm. Hello. Uh, But it it was sort of food for different occasions that happen in your 20s. Like you got laid off. You got dumped, you moved into your first apartment, whatever it was. And I do think the idea was fun, but it was I, I was not qualified enough to write a cookbook. And I met with a couple of publishers and there was one that was interested because they were starting this millennial imprint. And so they they didn't string me along. I just thought I had a shot. Mm-hmm. And then when it fell through, I was devastated. And it was actually the kick in the ass I needed to really buckle down and be like, all right, where am I going to get my experience? And that's when, as, as it would turn out, I had started the Do Diet column and this mm-hmm. private chefing opportunity for the Giants came along and... I started and I hated, I hated it so much. And I was like, this is it. This is my, this is it. This is what I have to do. And so I did that for 
two seasons and got, and during that time I was writing the dude diet column. I got a book agent, um, through, and I, I feel like the older I get, the more I want to be really transparent about stuff like this. Mm -hmm. This was very Mm -hmm. much a like, connection issue like we knew people I knew someone who introduced me to this book agent who was like I'm gonna think about where where you might be able to find a book in the content that you have already and she read everything I'd ever written and was like the dude diet is your book I can sell that book it's the only book I can sell I'm not interested in any other ideas and it was because Mm -hmm. at that point there were a lot of very rigid healthy eating books, paleo books, keto books, like specific diet books. There were no books that were being cookbooks that were being marketed to men. Now, the dude diet is not just for men. That is a common misconception. Yeah. It is for everyone. I'm from California. Dude to me is a like Person, it's a personality type versus a gendered <laughs> term. Although I I I'm actually grateful at the time that they were like, this will be able to be marketed to men, which is not something that's common for mm-hmm. a cookbook beyond like grilling books, which again, women yep. grill too. So it's kind of ridiculous. But um, it was meant to be tongue in cheek and it was meant to be an accessible, fun, comedic take on things. I think a lot of people miss the humor in the do diet. And that's a perfect example of it just not being for them. Right. But I wrote my book proposal, which highlighted all of these sort of holes in the market, the lack of cookbooks for men, the lack of cookbooks with a comedy angle, the lack of middle of the road, healthy eating books out there. It was, I, you know, you think about the things that were popular at the time, um, really, really unhealthy indulgent cookbooks uh-huh. very fancy food from restaurant chefs and then super diet cookbooks uh and so a lot of publishers were inter- very interested it went to uh market i met with all these different people and then harper wave which is part of harper collins it's like their lifestyle imprint um came back with the best offer and I had really liked the editor there. You don't have to, for anybody who's shopping a book, you do not have to go with the highest author, offer. You can go with whoever feels like the right fit for you. And I really loved my editor. Uh, we worked really well together on that book and she really <laughs> helped me make it a little bit less bro so to speak, because I think I leaned too far into it once I knew that there was this sort of hole in the market. Uh-huh. She's like, okay, let's scale that back. That <laughs> might be annoying. Uh, um, <laughs> no, what I think... And then when that book came out, it ended up being a far bigger success than I anticipated In for a first-time author. Um, it ended up getting a lot of press because I think it was the right timing. Mm-hmm. Now, the dude diet is a tougher sell. People don't like the word diet. It feels gendered, even though it wasn't intentionally. Um, Some of the humor no longer lands. And I think that's, again, that's okay. But the sequel, yeah, the the dude diet dinner time came out 
three years later, it takes two full years to write a book. So I had like kind of nine months where I was playing with ideas for a second book. And what people kept coming back with was just, I kind of just want more dinners. And so I pitched all these creative ideas to my editor and made these elaborate pitches. And then I was like, or a dude died dinner time. She was like, yeah, that one. <laughs> so it always worked back to basics here. Yep, yep. And, and honestly, that came out fall 2019. I was sort of halfway through my book tour when COVID hit. Yep. And I, so I didn't, I don't feel that I got to do the full marketing push with dinner mm-hmm. time like I did for the dude diet, which is okay. It's something that, again, has spread really wonderfully through word of mouth. And I'm really proud of dinner time. I think it's, no, we're not supposed to choose, but it's a much better <laughs> book than the dude diet, just, just purely based on experience. Mm-hmm. And to anybody who's writing a book, Oh, like I feel for you so much. I've been psyching myself up to do another one for, I mean, almost three years at this point. <laughs> um, it's kind of the best and worst experience ever. When you're in it, it's awful. And then you get to the other side and you're so excited about it. And for me, I love marketing and I love events. And so book tours were my favorite because I got to do a lot of on-camera stuff. I got to Mm -hmm. meet a ton of people in person. I got to think really creatively about how I wanted to promote the book. And it's just fun. And so now I'm I'm working on a proposal for a new book. I think for better or for worse, I have to leave the dude that behind. Um, But I'm not really in the sense that the, the food and the dude diet, it's just my style of cooking. It's fun, accessible, really flavorful, healthy food. And that will always be my style, even if it's not called the dude diet, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's where I am now. But I think it's a funny... It is like really interesting to look back on. Even things like my first book tour, I am really proud of the fact that I just put myself out there and you... Okay, so this is the perfect example. You saw the event in New York. Yes, yes. Uh-huh. I mean, it was in New York City, which is where most... Where I live and where most of... Not most, but the largest percentage, which I think is, I don't know, 7% or something yep. of my demographic is in New York City. Mm-hmm. So you'd think it would be the best attended of... The events on the tour and it was very sparsely attended like not that many people came and it was really funny because on my first book tour there were a few events that were packed but for the most part they were pretty sparsely attended and right. I think I just became desensitized to it because I did I don't know 20 cities on my first book tour which I planned myself and was just completely overzealous and I'm like why would you think that <laughs> People who don't know who you are want to come to this event, but whatever. Still very proud of myself. Very few people came out. So then on the second book tour, New York was in December, but the the first few events I did, I think were like DC, Charlotte, Mm -hmm. Richmond. And I remember going to my DC event and a bunch of my friends who live in DC came and they were like, 
holy shit. There was like a line snaking like two, it was in a small store, like snaking like two blocks down the street. And I like, I felt like I was like going to cry and throw up and was like, what's happening? This is so, and it was, there were three years in between that. But then (laughs) I remember being asked on a podcast that year being like, how do you stay humble? I'm like, what do you mean? I'm like, that was like, I have gone, I've had a million failed events like this does not go to my head because I know (laughs) what the uh, I suppose if you're maybe if you're a celebrity or you're a New York Times bestselling offer out of the gate and your first events are very well attended maybe it goes to your head but I am never going to forget the events that had two people and I had to give the full book talk to two people like that sticks with you so you know I had a few in wild events that were sold out and had these crazy lines and whatever. And then we had the event Mm -hmm. like in New York, which was attended, but it was not a blowout, you know, and it's all highs and lows. And I think it really benefited. It really benefited me to have these failed events early on or not failed. I don't want to say they were failed, but no, the, the, like these, these smaller, events, yeah, smaller these, events. Yeah, exactly. That like you learn from, right? Because yes. I think that there's so many people that, you know, what feel like that their first event or first thing in their business, they were so successful, right? And they're just like, yes. they think it's like, that. this is going to be the train. This is going to be the, the drive of how my, you know, business is going to be. And it doesn't work that way. So like, like you were asked on the other podcast about being humble, <clears throat> you were humbled. literally 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 and like you you tend to not even think about the numbers you like these people came for you whoever how many like whoever show up they came for you because they want to support you and that's the more important thing period that was the that's the reason that you wrote the book that's the reason that you want to do this business that you do so that's that's the moral of the story Absolutely. And, and I think that <clears throat> from all the experiences that you had and successes that you've had and, and you know, what, what's to come for you, um, you know, what's that, you look at your family, what, what's that, what's that legacy that you want to leave as we kind of round out this whole thing? Oof. Um, I think this is something that really stuck with me and I'm sure I'm embarrassed to say that I don't really know who actually said it, but it's like, people don't remember what you did. They remember how you made them feel. Hmm. And that really sticks with me. It brings me a lot of joy to make people feel good, to make them laugh, to be able to boost their confidence in the kitchen. I think that's why I've fallen in love with teaching so much is that, it, I can see, and I, I think about the people who have had the most profound effect on my life, and many of them were my teachers. And I think about the fact that if I'm able to do something, and it sounds so simple, but it's like if I'm able to empower somebody to look in their fridge mm-hmm. and be able to make a meal that nourishes them or their friends and family and that they're not dreading and they feel like they can have a little bit of fun with or find a moment of calm in their day. That's big, especially if you can do that with a lot of people, which is why, again, as much as 
I want to break my phone certain days. I realized that the power of the internet is that I get to reach so many more people than I could if I was just, you know, teaching at a brick and mortar store in one location in New York, you know? And I, I think I try to remember to be grateful for that. So in short, the legacy that I want to leave, I used to think it was just to make people better cooks. But at the end of the day, if I can make people feel better in a small way, whether it's creating a podcast so that people who are dealing with anxiety feel a little bit less alone or making you know somebody laugh because they are having a tough time and they get to watch my ridiculous husband burn a meat on his big green egg, then <laughs> that, that too brings me a lot of joy. So I think I used to think a lot bigger by being like, I want to you know, have my own TV show and a Martha Stewart empire and do all these things. And I still want those things, mm-hmm. but I'm no longer as obsessed with that being my legacy. I would rather it was a good feeling as simple as that sounds. No, I love that. I love that. And I, I could tell you, Serena, that you... Just from following you on on social and seeing you in person for the event, like I, I, and the people that even the amount of people that did come to the event, like I saw the happiness every time somebody went to you just to say hi and you, you like to give them your book and you're, you're making a difference. You're, 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 you're forming that legacy. I want to, I want to tell you that. 100%. <laughs> thank you. I'm like, I'm, I'm like, thank you. On the Monday in January. You just, are, you are. I get some good plopping. So thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but I know that my listeners are going to want to interact with you, want to connect with you. So share your socials, share everything that's going on. If there's a book, a new book coming out eventually, like do share all the things because I'll put it in the Yes. Show. So you can always find me on Instagram at Serena G. Wolf. Um, my website is domesticate-me.com. And that also is where my cooking classes live. Um, all of my favorite things, hundreds and hundreds of recipes, etc. Um, and then my collaboration with CCH Collection is on cchcollection.com. Um, and my podcast is called Spiraling. I co-host it with my friend Katie Dalebout. And you can get that wherever you listen to your podcasts. Well, I appreciate you. Guys, if you love this episode, please tag the two of us. We'll show you back some love. But Serena, thank you so much for just taking the time and chatting and just can't wait to see what's to come for you, truly. Thank you so much. Guys, I'm super excited to announce that I just launched an online clothing boutique called Bella Mel Boutique in honor of my sister who passed away from cancer. The clothing in there right now is incredible. The wholesalers that I'm that I'm going to have in there. I'm being very strategic. Um, They're going to be very special, near and dear to my heart as well. So please check out the website, bellamelboutique.com and check the Instagram page, bellamelboutique. And I can't wait for you guys to see it.